0: This is Essential. 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 this is Essential Audio.
1: Hey, and welcome to The Money Pot. My name is Rachel Morrissey, and I'm the executive producer of the podcast here at Money 2020. And I'm joined by Sanjeev Khalida, our editor-in-chief. How are you, Sanj?
0: Good. Although it's been a busy few weeks for me, we've had our first two in-person events in a long time, And we released our FinTech 2.0 white paper, which, to be honest, took a lot out of me. It was a big project.
1: Congratulations. Firstly, that's great. It was a big project. And secondly, I'm not going to give you a chance to rest because I want to put you on the hot seat for the FinTech 2.0 white paper because it's gotten a lot of attention and people have overwhelmingly liked it. But... As with all good theories, there have been one or two people that come forward and try to poke holes in your arguments. And so rather than run away from a fight today, I'm going to play devil's advocate and give you the opportunity to stand up and fight back. You think you can handle that?
0: Well, I never claimed to have all of the answers, but I'm pretty confident in the words in the white paper. So yeah, come at me.
1: (laughs) All right, Sanj. Let's talk about your statement that every company is not a fintech company you specifically are going against a phrase which has been bandied about a lot these days which is that with the oncoming rise of embedded finance Every company will become a fintech company. In fact, Angela Strange has predicted that about 80% of companies will basically be in financial services within the next decade.
0: And my argument is that the fintech companies will be designing the financial services and products and other companies will embed their services into their products. To me, that doesn't count as a fintech company. Only the businesses which are designing their own financial services on top of what they do to make money will be a true business slash fintech hybrid. The analogy I'll use here is cookies, not web browser cookies, which are going away, but real cookies, <laughs> a, a chocolate cookie incorporates chocolate throughout the entire thing. A chocolate chip cookie has pieces of chocolate embedded in it. And when you bite into a chocolate chip, it makes the entire cookie experience better. And I think there will be a lot of chocolate chip cookies, which are non-fintech companies that embed financial services into their experience. I don't think everyone will become a chocolate cookie.
1: Ah, well, that is a very strong argument. So I think I am going to need some backup. I spoke to someone who I found a lot of common ground with. Amy Nayakas is the CEO and founder of Anthemus Group. And the first thing to know about Amy is that she isn't really into the term fintech.
0: I like her already.
1: And the second thing to know is that we have both worked in communications and media, and we agree that thinking of embedded services as an afterthought is as bad as thinking of marketing as an add-on or diversity as a side issue. I'll let her explain. You can't be
2: both authentic and packaged in a way that isn't real, right? And I think that um, there's so much hubris and ego in the financial system that you kind of lose out on authenticity and then it makes it impossible to be able to have a, a company or brand tell its stories. And so it's taken some of these new entrants um, to be able to prove that you can actually say what you, say what you are on the tin. And then actually exist in your world as long as you're being, and I, you know, and with, with all the stuff around diversity and impact investing and all the kind of, you know, wonderful, wonderful attention it's getting right now. That's my biggest concern is like, let's pull back the curtain and see how much of this is real um, because there's a lot of virtue signaling right now. And, and that to me is going to be an interesting trend to watch is like. Who puts the money where their mouth is, but also who, when, when, when push comes to shove, does the right thing because their values are in the right place and they're authentically committed to this stuff and not just because it's just another moment in time for a trend to be followed. You know, it's funny. You and I have talked about diversity as a business strategy,
1: and that research has shown that diversity is actually a huge boon to the quality of product and success of teams. And I think Amy's point here about authenticity is important.
0: The diversity arguments are much more complex than we generally take into consideration. Diversity of backgrounds is complicated. Besides ethnicity, it could take on socioeconomic circumstances, geography, experience, and and the list goes on.
1: And you and I are prime examples of that. I mean, we have very different backgrounds, both from each other and from the rest of the team. No one matches your expertise or experience in payments, for example.
0: Thanks. There's definitely some areas of the diversity debate that need refining, but I think you've made me blush. Back to the point, though. What does this have to do with whether a company is a fintech company or not?
1: I'm not good at dealing with compliments, huh? I'll take that note for the future. So, when we talk about every company being a fintech company, embedded finance is central. Money has always been influential on the movement of institutions, but with embedded finance, each of these institutions could be offering financial services products. And in that way, they would be fintech companies. And this enables fintech to affect almost every institutional industry and to reboot them
2: and in the process affect Many systems. That's the kind of healthy tension between the old and the new. Is that if we can get enough people deploying capital and putting it in the right hands with a value based kind of mentality of building something meaningful for the right purpose? And by the way, we're not talking about, you know, all pie in the sky you know charity <laughs> this is this is about generating and creating wealth and economic resiliency in our entire system across the economy worldwide by creating resiliency in the companies we're building and if we can do that in every industry we have a chance at reshaping what the future looks like from here and so i you know i could lose a lot of thinking about what's broken Or I could just concentrate on what needs to be built anew.
1: And that's the thing. I mean, technology is redesigning this world. And as it does, none of the areas will be siloed. Money is already intertwined with energy, agriculture, healthcare, education, and of course, commerce. And as investors support new founders utilizing embedded finance, then they will be creating financial services products inside all these industries.
0: I 1,000% agree that tech is redesigning much of our world. However, you do still need people who have a strong background in financial services intermingling with all of this. And most of the time products for financial services require specialization and understanding the regulatory environment.
1: And Amy agrees 1000% with you there. In fact, that was part of Anthemus' mission.
2: We fundamentally knew from the very beginning that our job was to deploy human and financial capital in the service of creating resiliency in the financial system. It didn't mean just finding kind of the next neobank and backing that. It meant figuring out how and where to identify the rails of financial services in any industry in the economy. And and the only people that could do that well, we believed, um, were those who actually had already understood and lived in that regulatory structure and that market structure, right? And I think we're seeing that come to life now um, as embedded finance, as fintech, as you know, my dad's now talking about fintech.
0: And this is part of why I think my argument that not all companies will become fintech companies is the correct approach. Regulatory structures exist for a reason. It is easy to hate on the rules and rulemakers, but they usually come in as fixes to previous problems.
2: And again, I mean Amy is thinking like you are. Don't get me wrong. The regulatory structure in our industry, there's a lot of room for improvement. But you have to start with where it sits today and understand that before you just assume you're going to be able to improve it, right? Because this isn't like innovating inside of the travel and, and, and hospitality industry or the, the the taxi industry, right? The SEC, the FSA, these are massive organizations that are, by design, whether you love them or hate them, there to protect consumers' financial footprints. And if we think as entrepreneurs, um, as investors, that just blowing all that up is going to be the answer, I think we've got it really wrong because a lot of people are going to get hurt in that scenario.
0: So then I'm right. Not every company can be a fintech company. Fintech companies will provide services that will be embedded, but they will be the fintech company, not the businesses embedding their products. After all, Peloton isn't a fintech company just because it allows payment options from a firm on their site. A firm is the fintech.
1: But embedded finance will have tremendous impact across all the industries, and many of them will offer financial services or products. And that intertwining of finance and other industries gives a tremendous opportunity to
2: build resiliency into systems. And so when we think about embedded finance, we think from the bottom to the top and across in all areas, How do we use our knowledge and our connectivity and our understanding to the world that exists in financial services and marry it with the world that is evolving? And where do we bring people together to continue to build um, and scale resiliency in the system? And that comes from really understanding the rails that support these companies.
0: So Amy calls it a marriage here, and I think that supports my argument. The ecosystem will expand into all these areas and companies answering the financial needs of these areas will be rewarded. The other thing to call out is that there will be more financial services embedded. For example, before you might have just cared about a simple payment, but now companies might want to offer financing, insurance, or other complementary services. Going back to the cookie example, we're going to see more chips in chocolate chip cookies.
1: That chocolate chip cookie's getting pretty chocolatey. So a fintech value proposition will become table stakes, right? All these industries all have financial rails. Those rails will just get more intertwined and more valuable. And I was joking with Amy, and I commented that most of the investors in embedded finance were still leery about some of our biggest issues, healthcare being one, and they'd rather invest in that, you know, neo bank gap.
2: We think about the rails um, that are supporting a lot of these industries, it's a combination of you know finance and lending, um, transaction and payments, and risk management and insurance. And I think that third rail is the one that derails a lot of people, right understanding fundamentally understanding insurance and risk management is pretty key to evolving a lot of these companies. And I think because we have done a wonderful job and a very early job of identifying the key players in this space and having connectivity in the insurance experience, It's making us that much more capable of seeing this industry and understanding it.
0: I think it's funny that she called it a third rail. Typically, a third rail is not to be touched. It is the live rail and deadly.
1: We laughed at that, too. Um, In politics, the third rail is a killer issue. But it's also usually where the change and fixes are the most needed as well. And in the end, I mean, that is what is exciting about tackling it.
0: So in the end, Amy's arguments aligns with the perspective that not every company will be a fintech. She's seeing financial services or fintech expand into influencing, serving, and providing smarter rails. But she believes that fintech companies will need the regulatory specialization.
1: Yeah, in a way. And you might have me there. But the phrase, every company will be a fintech company, definitely explains the spirit of embedded finance, even if it isn't quite the reality. And I just wanted to play devil's advocate, prep you for the real debate with Ron Shevland and Melinda here.
0: Thanks. And I have some great quotes for arguments and debates that I know I'm going to be having in the near future about this. And that is it. For this episode of The Money Pot, we'd like to thank Amy Nayakos for speaking with us. We would also like to thank our own George Martin, Roland Boddenham. And if you want to argue with me about this topic in person, then I recommend you get a ticket to Money 2020 Live in Amsterdam on September 21st through the 23rd and in Vegas from October 24th through the 27th. I'm sure you'll be able to find me on the expo hall.
1: And tickets to both shows are available now at money2020.com. And if you like The Money Pop, please leave us a review in iTunes to help others find the show. This podcast will also be live in Vegas. So tell us how much you want to be a part of it by sending ideas to podcast at money2020.com. And thank you for listening.
0: This is Essential, Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.